Turn with me, please. Go with me to the book of Luke. Uh, In praying about tonight and about this time, I've had some things come up in my spirit over the last, the previous several months, and some of it's been for years, but uh, I want to launch into this and uh, believe God with me, please, because we're, we're looking for things we haven't seen yet. Light added to where we've seen and understood. And uh, I believe the Lord would spare people from problems. And um, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices, the scripture said. And how many know the Lord's never behind what the enemy's doing? If we'll listen to him, he'll always be ahead. And we'll be prepared and forearmed and forewarned and equipped to handle and overcome anything. So uh, without going into much more detail, I mean, it'll be obvious as we go, but uh, let's join faith right now, all of us together, and let's believe that we will hear exactly what he's saying from him and uh, what he wants done in us and through us right now in these days. Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree together as asking and touching this that you would speak to us precisely what you know best that we need to hear and see and know right now. Any corrections that we need to have made, anything we've been ignorant or wrong about, anything we've been in the dark about that you would add to us, anything that we've seen a little but we need more of it, we ask you for it. Ask you for eyes that see it, ears that hear it, heart and mind that can understand it and, and receive it. Add to us. And bring us up to it. And thank you for keeping us and protecting us from the wilds of the enemy. And making us strong. And making us aware of his subtleties and his craft. So that we're not deceived and duped by it. But that again and again we overcome. We win. We triumph. And we'll give you all the glory. And all the praise. Because except for you we would be easily duped and defeated. But because of you we're not. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen means so be it. So be it to me and to mine. In Luke, the 16th chapter, Luke 16 and about verse 9. This whole chapter, if you're familiar with it, is dealing with stewardship and faithfulness and unfaithfulness. And he gets down to verse uh, 9, and he said, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Now, mammon, notice that word. We're going to see that again and talk about that some. The mammon of unrighteousness. That when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. The little things matter. Did you know that? Little things. The enemy will always try to get you to despise and belittle stuff. Go, ah, that's no big deal. Ah, that's no big deal. And if you listen to him, everything will be no big deal. But it's not true. With the Lord, 
the little things matter. And we are either qualifying or disqualifying ourselves to handle more and bigger and better every day by what we do with the little and with the present that's in our hands and that's available to us. He said, he that's faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, there's that word again, mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? How should you handle that which belongs to someone else? Well, the way they want you to handle it. It's theirs. Right? Faithfully handling what's theirs would be handling it the way they want you to handle it. Not your own way. Verse 13. This is our our text. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's that word for the third time. And here are the two masters he's telling you you can't serve both. One master's God, the other master's the master of mammon. Don't be concerned. We're going to get into what that is. But how many believe what Jesus said? You can't serve both of them. True or not? You can't serve both of them. You will, Jesus said, you'll hate one, love the other. You'll hold on to one and despise, that means belittle the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also who were covetous, which gives you insight into mammon. Now, who were the Pharisees? They were the religious leaders. They were the Sadducees, and they had a different doctrine from the Pharisees, and there were the rulers in the synagogue. But these were purported to be the most spiritual people of the day in this community. These are your preachers. These are your pastors, your your leaders. We would compare them to that. They were priests, and they were rabbis, and they were And yet, what were they? Covetous. Can preachers be covetous? Well, is it any better for churchgoers to be covetous? (laughs) No. They were covetous. And they heard those things and they derided him. He's given them good input. He's given them the truth. And it irritated them. And so they mocked it and made fun of what he said. You got to watch about your response to things. So many times the things that irritate you the most is the very thing you need to hear. Yes, sir. The reason you're so stirred up about it is because it applies to you. <laughs> if it didn't, if it didn't connect with you anyway, it would be a non-issue to you. You'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but the thing that really yeah. works you up. <laughs> Is the thing to get yourself by the ear and look in the mirror and go, why, oh, why did you get so worked up? 
over that. Could it be, pray tell, that you're the one in need of this and we need to make this change. So they derided him and he said to them, you are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Does God have a different value system than the unsaved, ungodly world? It's not just a little different. How different is it? What ungodly men hold in high esteem? Not just they think it's good, high esteem. God finds abominable. Now that's a very different value system. Hmm? Isn't it? Completely different value system. Everybody pray it out loud. Oh Father. Help me to see things. The way you see them. Your priorities. Become my priorities. That your values. Become my values. That what you esteem. I esteem. And what you despise. I despise. May it be. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. You believe that's his will? Then the Bible said if we pray according to his will, he hears us and we'll have it. It's granted to us. So expect. Expect some correction. Some adjustment. uh, Some things that you thought were pretty nifty. And the Lord said, I don't like that at all. And you go, right, me neither. I mean, I think it's a good idea to just, uh, but you don't have to understand it or feel that way. If he doesn't like it, we don't like it. Hmm? Or on the other end of the spectrum, you think, oh boy, I'd never want to do that. And he says, that's exactly what I want you to do. And you go, right. Yeah, now that I look at it again, (laughs) if you like it, I like it. Which is what we're talking, what the passage is talking about, about him actually being our master. There's a whole lot of folks that have received Jesus as Savior. They know they needed a Savior. They don't want to go to hell. They don't want to be judged for their sins. And so they've received Jesus as Savior. But the truth is, He's not their master. He's not their master. What is a master? You ever looked it up? You ever thought about it? A master is one, if you look up the word here, it basically means supreme in authority. The one who is supreme, we'd say top, number one, in authority. In fact, the word translated master here is, I guess, scores of other places in the New Testament translated Lord. Lord. So when you say, Jesus is my Lord, you did at the same time say, he is my master, which means what? Supreme authority, which means if he's the supreme authority, there is no authority over him. There is no one or nothing that says, no, we're not going to listen to Jesus. We're going to listen to me. We're going to do what I say. So who is your master? Now we know that's the right answer. (laughs) 
But I want us to believe God and examine who's actually calling the shots. Hmm? How many think this is important? Well, whether you thought so or not, could it be that I actually heard from the Lord and he directed me for us to go this way? Then if if so, then it's bigger than me. And, uh, you know, I need to hear this just like you do. We're receiving it all at the same time. But how many masters can you serve? Somebody say one master. Jesus said you can't. Back up, read it again. Look at it with me. Instead of me quoting it, put your eyes on, on the page. Verse 13. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Now that gives you insight into what, what you do with a master. You serve a master. Right? Because he is the supreme authority. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, he'll hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the other master he mentions specifically is the master of mammon. What is that? And is that an issue? Now why would he tell them this unless they were serving the master of mammon? And the very next verse says that they were covetous, which is a confirmation of which master they're serving. Well, they're certainly not serving him, are they? They're mocking him. They're deriding him. They're not serving him. So who are they serving? They'd have told you that they were serving God. They're the religious leaders, right? But the truth is, They're serving a God called Mammon. They're serving Master Mammon. And Jesus told them, you can't serve two masters. In other words, you're not serving God and this. You're serving this instead of God. It has the supreme place. Now let's define some of this. What is Mammon? Because I I know you want to Talk about this. If you look it up, and I'm, I'm combining vines and strongs and youngs and several, uh, they overlap, they say the same thing in different ways. But mammon literally means confidence and wealth personified or deified. It means that which is Firm, steadfast, trusted. But it's talking about riches. Riches viewed as that which you can trust. Riches, wealth, money, things, material stuff that is personified. Wealth personified. Natural material ability deified. Is that something that people are serving? Yes, it is. Do you think it's still an issue today with a whole lot of folks? It is. And these religious leaders were serving it. Weren't they? And when he talked to them about it, it made them mad. It upset them because they were covetous. Have you ever been covetous? 
Let me help you with that. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, you have. There's stuff. Uh, what does it mean to be covetous? The, I saw some things today that I hadn't seen before. Thank you, Lord. About this, I knew that covetousness is longing for something, but it's more to it than that. The same word translated covetous is also has the meaning of extortion. So it's not just longing for something, it's willing to go to any lengths, including lying and stealing, to get it. And if you're willing to go to any length to get it, it's because that's what you serve. That is your master. Well, we're having fun now, aren't we? Does the Bible talk about these things? Does it deal with these things? Should we feed our faith on it? And get right and get clear on it? See what the truth is? What's not the truth? Now one of the reasons that I know the Lord's leading us into this. Is to protect us. Do you believe that? Protect us. And it, it has a lot more specific application. Than a lot of people might imagine right now. The enemy can lead you astray if you're covetous. I don't care if you've been going to church for 20 years, 40 years. If these things mean too much to you, it's a hook that the enemy can get in your life and deceive you and trick you and lead you off and cause you great harm and damage, destruction, devastation. But if you only got one master, (laughs) I said, if you've only got one master and there's nothing, no one that you serve more, that you love more, that has a greater place in your life, it makes you safe. I said, it makes you safe. It makes you safe. Because you'll do what he tells you to do even when your flesh wants to do something else and even when other people are doing something else in mass. You won't follow them into deception and destruction. Because you got one master. One master. And he is the supreme authority in your life. Come on, somebody say that out loud. I have. One master. master. And he is. is. My Lord. Lord. The supreme authority. authority. In my life. life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. (laughs) My Lord. My master. Hallelujah. It'll only be so. Because you've chosen him above all and you've given him that place. Because here are so-called spiritual people, religious people. And they just said they're serving God. But the truth is, they're serving mammon. Money means more to them than the things of God. They wouldn't admit it. They'd adamantly deny it. 
But it's true. When it comes right down to it. Why did Judas do what he did? You couldn't say he wasn't around a good example. (laughs) You couldn't say he didn't have a good example set in front of him. You couldn't say it's because he wasn't in a word environment. (laughs) Or a faith environment. Right? (laughs) Or he wasn't around good people. Or that nobody loved him. Or nobody treated him with love or respect. All that's lies. The simple truth of it is. He decided he wanted money. Now people tried to make it all other kind of stuff. But the Bible tells you what happened. It's there. Black and white. He's the one that went to them. Went to the religious leaders of the Jews. The high priest folks. And he said. How much will you give me? What's this about? People try to make it what's about ideology or about him, you know, being a helpless pawn to have to facilitate the plan of God. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Nope. Money. Listen to me, friend. Don't sit up here and say, I'm glad I'm not like that. Never underestimate the pull of money and stuff. Do not kid yourself or the people around about you. It is a very big deal. Money is a very big deal. People are letting it run their life and rule them. Poor people are some of the worst. You can love money and not have a dollar. You can imagine that all your problems would be fixed if you just had some more and had enough. And you can spend all your time trying to think of how to make a deal, how to trade, how to get it for nothing or for less than nothing (laughs) or for cheap, almost nothing. Huh? How to finagle and and wiggle and and connive. I'm talking about Christian people. I'm not my churchgoers. <laughs> how to get in before somebody else does, and how to make the deal before they find out. <laughs> Everybody just look straight ahead. <laughs> and all the time. With a real child of God, the Spirit of God is a scratching you on the inside. Don't do that. Don't do that. Tell them the truth. Yeah, but it's going to cost me. Let it cost you. Tell them the truth. Yeah, but I don't even know where I'm going to get it. Yeah, but not telling the truth is not an option. It's not an option. Not for a sincere believer. Deceiving is as devilish as it gets. It doesn't get any more devilish than telling a lie. It's just about as bad as it gets. Why would people, believers, church-going people, they like to sing and say hallelujah. Why would they lie on a deal? Why? Because the money means more to them than doing what's right. Making the money means more than pleasing God. 
and keeping a clear conscience. Not pretty, but reality. Say loud. <laughs> Say it out loud. One master. One master. Who's your master? Help me out. Jesus, Jesus is my supreme authority. He is my Lord. He's my master. You ought to say this out loud. Money is not my master. You do realize with a lot of people it is. There's good Christian people. A lot of good things about them. They will pull up their family. They will move to the other side of the country where there's not a church that they will get fed and helped and not even pray about it for $5 more an hour. Won't even pray about it. So what's leading them? Not the Holy Spirit. Not the concern about the spiritual well-being of their family. Not the main thing about finding the will of God. What's leading them? $5 an hour more is leading them. So who's their master? People decide whether they're going to have a meeting or not. Whether they're going to come and speak or not. Based on how much the offering might be. And he says, I despise that. Well, is it any better for you to make a deal and to make decisions in your life based on the money? What's the difference? Tell me again who your Lord is. Jesus and who's not? Who's not your Lord? I do not serve mammon. Mammon is not my master. I don't make decisions in my life based on money. More or less, that's not how I make decisions. Let's start with what you eat. (laughs) How do you decide what you eat? You don't just get out, if if you're eating out, let's say, you don't just get out the menu and look on the right side of the page and look at the lowest number and go, that's it. (laughs) You could get poisoned doing that. Because if the Spirit of God's trying to get you, don't get that, don't get that. But you're not led by Him, you're led by, well, I, he, He's leading you to get the other thing, it costs twice as much. You go, well, I don't want to pay that for that. If the Lord leads you to get it, you better listen to Him and not be led by money. Or if you're in the grocery store, maybe it's not uh, three for the price of one. <laughs> Could the Lord deal with you to get the other one? That's one for the price of one, and it's, well, I have to get generic. I have to get generic. Who told you you had to get generic? What's leading you? What's leading you? We understand the world. It doesn't know God. I mean, they're led by all kind of stuff. But believers, reckon how many born-again, church-going people would claim they're led by God, but the truth is, they are led by price. They don't even pray about stuff. They just do it based on the cost, based on the price. That's what's leading them. And that's why people get in trouble. I'm not saying you've got to pay the highest price for everything, but we do need to be led. And we do need to be open that the Lord check us. I don't care if you think it's a good deal. Don't do it. 
Just because it's the cheapest one doesn't mean it's the right one. Have anybody ever had a situation where the cheapest one turned out to be the most expensive one? (laughs) We shouldn't be led by price. We shouldn't be led by cost. It doesn't take long to say that, but it's challenging. Isn't it? From the flesh. Not to be. How should we be led? Saints, come on, help me out. How should we be led? In everything we should pray, we should ask the Lord, we should check our heart, and we should be led not by cost, price, deal. We should be led by the witness that we get inside. And there'll be times that'll be different from what your head thought. And there'll be times it'll cost you more. I'm going to say that again over here. There'll be times it will cost you more to be led by the Spirit because it's the right thing to do. And in the end, it's going to cost you less. You're going to come out way better off. But initially, it's going to cost you more. Say it out loud. I am not led by price. I refuse to be led by cost. I will be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Do you believe it's important, saints? What do the scriptures say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own calculator. (laughs) Understanding (laughs) and low, low price signs. Don't be led by that. I'm not saying that could never be right to do that, but it's not right to do it all the time, I can tell you that. Don't be led by your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him what will happen. Didn't say in all your ways, acknowledge the price. (laughs) Acknowledge the cost. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You say, Lord, well, that looks like a good deal, but what should I do? And you got to be willing to hear, even when your flesh is all primed to jump on this amazing deal, you got to be willing to hear a no. No, that's not for you. That's not right. Leave it alone. Walk. But God, (laughs) it's half price. Don't mean it's right. Half price, cheap, free. Doesn't make it right. And this is, oh, please, free's got to be right. No. (laughs) Free does not make it right. Somebody needs to say this. Just because it's free free. doesn't mean it's for me. me. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm not just trying to be humorous about something. Is there a difference between being led by the Holy Spirit and being led by price and money and cost? It is not the same thing at all. And if you're led by price, you're going to miss it again and again and again. But if you're led by the Holy Spirit, it's going to be right again and again and again. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. I'm spirit led. You're there in Luke 16. Go over to Luke 12, please. You going to believe with me for this series and as far as we need to go in it? And I'm telling you, you, you ought to be excited about it because I can see by faith down the road a little bit on this. And if we'll listen. God will spare, hmm, he will spare some folks, some people that would have lost their life savings 
because of some being misled, uh, have the opportunity to be spared from the whole thing and not lose any of it. But you'll have to, we'll have to change our thinking. We'll, and we'll have to get free from serving mammon. We'll have to get free from covetousness. Covetousness is a hateful thing. You and I need to grow to detest it and despise it. I'm not talking about judging other people that are doing it. I'm talking about despising it in us and not doing it anymore. And all of us have some experience with this. So I'm not judging you. Don't judge me, but let's just get free. (laughs) That rhymes, don't it? (laughs) I won't judge you. You don't judge me. We all together just get free. (laughs) We needed a little levity right there. Uh, Luke 12, are you there? Luke 12. And 13, one of the company said to him, said to Jesus, Master, speak to my brother, talk to him, and tell him to divide the inheritance with me. This is some dispute over inheritance. Maybe there was some question about a will. Maybe mom and daddy had passed on. Whatever the case was, there's a dispute over a place, our land, our house, our things, our livestock. Same kind of stuff then as now. And this guy's obviously upset about it. And I assure you, one of his big things was, it ain't right. It's not right. And so... He's going to take the opportunity out here publicly where Jesus, that all these folks that follow Jesus respect him immensely and believe that he does what's right and what's fair. And he stands up for what's right and fair. And he does. So he publicly says, Master, tell my brother, let's just stop right here. Stop right here. Put on the brakes. I've had a number of people over the years in ministry come to me and start off the conversation of this way. You know, preacher, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to tell so-and-so. And you need to, well, right off the bat, they show no respect for the call, for the place. And a lot of folk don't have enough understanding to realize That they have no place to speak into my life. God has given them zero place to speak into my life. But they start off with, you need to. And I was just praying and I feel led that you should. And you wonder why they never feel led that they should. They got all these ideas and all these plans and all this vision. Uh, what's supposed to be done and how it's supposed to be done. Well, why don't you just do it? Go do it. You know, it's so much easier to be led for other folks. So you can just imagine you're spiritual and all the work winds up with them. That's convenient, isn't it? <laughs> he said, Master, 
you need to tell my brother that he needs to divide the inheritance with me. And apparently he thinks Jesus is going to do this or else he wouldn't have brought this up like this. You can be very convinced but be totally wrong. Can't you? I'll just believe this real strong. It don't mean you're not wrong. <laughs> just because you believe something doesn't mean it's true. That's what being deceived is. Verse 14. He said to him, man, <laughs> who made me a judge or a divider over you? That was not what he was wanting. Is it? Maybe he told somebody before he got there. He said, watch, Jesus is going to straighten this out. I'm going to tell him. My sorry brother, he's going to get with it. You watch this. He's going to be so shamed and everything. He's, uh... And so Jesus said, who made me a judge or divider over you? Verse 15. And he took this as an opportunity to tell the whole crowd, take heed. Somebody say, take heed. heed. What does that mean? We might say, beware. Watch out. Somebody say, watch out. out. Tell your neighbor, help him out, say, watch out. Watch out out for what? Take heed and beware of covetousness. Now see, this guy probably would not have admitted that he's covetous. He's on a crusade for what's right. Mama always told me she wanted me to have that. (laughs) And he knows it. Jesus, tell him to do what's right by me. Jesus said, watch out. (laughs) Tell your neighbor again, watch out. For what? Covetousness is an evil, evil thing. What the Bible says, the love of money is what? The root. One translation says of all kinds of evil. Money and things can be a useful servant. But it is an evil master. I said, it's an evil master. Do you serve it? How many, how many Christians would raise their hand and go, I serve the evil master <laughs> of money and things. I love money. I love money. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's why it's kept under wraps because People know, they know they're not supposed to say that or or let that out. So people are good at hiding it. They are that way, but they're good at hiding it. And the very ones that love it the most can say, oh, I don't care about money. I don't want any of this old world's goods. No. One indicator that there is tremendous hypocrisy there is they judge other folks for having too much. I'm pausing for effect. I said one of the great indicators that a person is very covetous and loves money is that they judge others for what they have and what they do with what they have. They say, that disgusts me. Did you hear how much they spent on that? Ah, makes me sick. 
Man, if I had a fraction of their money, whoa, 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 whoa. If you had their money, they're giving themselves away. <laughs> That's not just my idea. Judas, we already talked about him. What was his problem? He wanted some money. Truth is, he loved the thought of that money and what he could do with it and what he could have with it more than he loved Jesus. That's the truth. If it wasn't so, he wouldn't have done it. He was willing to betray the master to get the money. How can you dispute that? Right before it happened, what did he do? Right before. He got all worked up because the woman came with the alabaster box of ointment. You remember that? And dumped it on Jesus' feet. It was what? Ten, twenty thousand dollars that she just blowed on his feet. And he said, ah, ah, ah. That could have been sold and given to the poor. And the Bible said, he's a hypocrite and a thief. He didn't even care about the poor. He wanted to sell it so he could get it in the bag, so he could get it in his pocket. And that's why he was so mad. And just a few verses later, it's when he goes and asks them, how much money will you give me? And the people that are the loudest, judging other people about what they have and what they do with their money, they're giving themselves away. They love money. That's why they get so mad. If not, they wouldn't care. If you really didn't care about money, what do you care if they blowed a million dollars on tube socks? <laughs> With rhinestones on them. <laughs> or if they spent $300,000 for a collar for their dog. <laughs> and no, we don't have any such collar for our dog. But that's beside the point. If you really didn't care about it, it wouldn't matter to you. It wouldn't upset you. It wouldn't make you mad. Because you don't care about it. But when you get mad and you get upset and you judge and you talk and talk and talk and talk about it, what's the problem? You love money. You love it. And you can't stand the thought that they got all that and are blowing it because you want it. You want to have it. And you're thinking and talking about what you could do with some of their money. (laughs) It's obvious what you're thinking about. You want some of their money. And if you want it enough, you're willing to do unscrupulous, immoral things to get it. Which means it's your master. It's your master. Somebody say it again. Money, Money. is not my master. Not my master. Jesus, Jesus is my master. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can be free. Completely free. From covetousness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 Go to 2 Corinthians in closing, I think. Thank you, Father. I tell you, on your way there, stop by Romans 12. 
Romans 12. Are you glad you came tonight? (laughs) Now, let me remind you something. The Pharisees got upset when Jesus talked about covetousness. (laughs) You don't want to be in that group. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Why'd they get upset? Because they were the ones that was covetous. And if you see that you have been, you are not alone. It'd be hard to find a person in this room that has not yielded to covetousness at some time or other. But it doesn't mean that we can't be free. Romans 12, 11, don't you notice something? It says, not slothful in business. Now, some folk have taken that. We talked a few weeks ago about half verses. And some folk have taken this. Well, we need to be very diligent in our business. Yeah, but that's just half the verse. We don't need to be lazy. We need to take care of our business. But fervent in the spirit. And notice the last thing. Serving the Lord. Lord. Being fervent and diligent in business does not mean serving your business. There are folks, Christian people, their business is their life. They serve it. So, well, I got to make a living. You're not your source. Get renewed in your mind. You're supposed to work. You're not supposed to be lazy. You're supposed to work. You're supposed to be diligent. You're supposed to be conscientious. You're supposed to treat people right. You're supposed to keep your word. But we're not supposed to serve business. We serve the Lord. Is there a difference? Big, big difference. Big, big difference. Say it out loud. I don't serve my job. My job, my business is not my master. That was worth some folk getting up and coming to church. Right, right there if you receive it. Doesn't mean you can't do it. But it's got to quit being your master. You got to quit serving it. It's not to be the supreme authority in your life. And in so doing, go to 2 Corinthians in closing, I think. We see, I believe, what the Lord is doing for us. Something that he's, he's working in us and working for us. He's begun it tonight and he will continue it. Hallelujah. And complete a good work in us. Verse 11 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Said out loud, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Now, it's very interesting. That's what I said. I learned some things today that I hadn't seen before. This word, getting advantage over us, same word is translated defraud. Defraud. How does Satan get an advantage of us? How would he defraud us? We started off talking about it in the beginning. Phyllis and I are talking about this in recent times. We have seen good people 
do some of the dumbest things and get taken. I've seen whole churches that get taken in by con men, crooks, churches that have lost their buildings and their properties because of getting in shady deals with people they never should have trusted, things they never should have done. I've seen believers, I've seen believer after believer after believer fall prey to spiritual con men and these amazing deals. Why? A lot of these people are bright people. Some of these people very intelligent. And some of them even knew something about God. So how could it be? How could it be? They get drunk on a dream. This dream of getting all this money and doing everything and they want it so bad. Did you hear that phrase? I said they want it so bad till they let themselves believe stuff they normally wouldn't even consider because they want it to be true. And they want it to happen. And the reason you or me would be vulnerable in such a case is because you want it too much. It means too much to you. Makes you vulnerable. Makes you easily deceived. Tricked and misled. But the good news is. Why are we even talking about it tonight? Why are we looking at these things? Why? Because the Lord our good God. Makes us not ignorant. Come on. Of Satan's wiles and deceit. And workings to defraud and to steal and to kill and to destroy us. And because of us being alert and aware, it's not a matter of getting smarter. Mm-mm. Well, I'm too smart for that. Oh, <laughs> famous last words. <laughs> oh, honey, you ain't too smart for that to happen to you. There's only one way. To get safe. Can anybody imagine what it is? There's only one way to get completely secure. And get completely safe. And that's when you get one master. Hallelujah. And you'll do whatever he says. No matter how you think or how you feel. And another's voice you won't follow. Then you get safe and secure. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.